Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it now to Exodus chapter 26. In the last episode on chapter 25, I quoted J. Alec Machir as saying, that the tabernacle could make a strong bid to be the greatest of all biblical visual aids. It certainly does appear to have been intended as such. The instructions are precise and elaborate. In chapter 25, God gave Moses detailed instructions as to the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, the table for the bread of the presence, and for the lampstand. Those are the main items inside the tent. So these instructions move from the inside out, and thus now we arrive at the structure of the tent itself. If you were looking at this entire compound from the outside, it would look like a very elaborate version of a typical nomad's home. A nomad in those days would have had a tent surrounded by an outer enclosure for his livestock. The tent would have had an inner chamber for the women and an outer chamber for the men. And that is essentially the template that's been used here. God is speaking in forms that his people would have recognized. The tent itself in the middle of the compound would have looked kind of like a coffin covered by multiple layers of tarp. The tabernacle itself was a rectangular frame structure with a flat roof over which was then laid various curtains and coverings. So from the outside, the rectangular tent would have looked rather drab and colorless. All the color actually was on the inside and would have only been visible to the priests who were moving and working within the holy place and the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies just once a year. The outer court, like the cattle enclosure at a nomad's home, was the place where sacrifice regularly occurred. There was an altar for grilling the sacrifice and a laver for the priest to wash in before entering the sacred tent. The people themselves would only occasionally enter the outer court. Most of the time, they would worship from under their own front tent flaps, which were all oriented toward the tent compound of their god and king. The tabernacle was, of course, designed for mobility. It was small and it was portable. It was exactly half the size of the later temple that was built by Solomon. And that corresponds perfectly to this particular stage in the life and development of God's people. This was a people on the move, living with and getting to know a holy God. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the breadth of each curtain 4 cubits. All the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that is in the second set. 
The loops shall be opposite one another, and you shall make 50 clasps of gold and couple the curtains one to the other with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. As I mentioned, the tabernacle proper was a rectangular frame structure covered by tarps and tapestries. The 10 curtains described here represent the inner layer, the layer that would have been seen by the priests from the inside. Remember, the tabernacle was not a solid building, so from the inside, the priest would have seen this colored tapestry through the wooden frames. These 10 curtains, or tapestries, were connected to each other to cover the whole structure, and they had a cherubim-themed design. Now, in chapter 25, God described the design of the Ark of the Covenant. It was a chest with a lid, and over the lid, there were two golden cherubim. So imagine winged angels, one at each end of the chest lid with their wings pointed up and forward toward each other. God said that he would speak to Moses from above the lid, that is from between the wings of the cherubim. Now here we're being told that while Moses or later the high priest was inside the Holy of Holies, he would also see cherubim depicted on the inner curtains. Now, right away, we wonder how exactly this goes with the second commandment, not to make any idols or images. Our Alan Cole is very helpful here. He says, in Israel, cherubim symbolized God's attendant and messenger spirits. And so we're not considered a breach of Exodus 20 verse 4, since no man worshiped them, close quote. So the cherubim were not objects of worship. They were symbols of God's self-disclosure and revelation. The picture as a whole then seems to be that God speaks through the word. Remember, the only thing in the ark at this time is the law of God, the Ten Commandments. God's voice hovers above the tablets. His word comes from his word. That seems to be the message. The, the message is that everything God says to his priests and prophets, to his agents of revelation, is of a piece, is connected to that which he has said in his law. The two themes here are intertwined. In verse 7, we begin to hear about the middle layer of curtain or tarp. You shall also make curtains of goat's hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shall you make. The length of each curtain shall be thirty cubits and the breadth of each curtain, four cubits. The eleven curtains shall be the same size. You shall couple five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves. And the sixth curtain you shall double over at the front of the tent. You shall make fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set, and fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in the second set. You shall make fifty clasps of bronze, and put the clasps into the loops, and couple the tent together, that it may be a single whole. And the part that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. And the extra that remains in the length of the curtains, the cubit on the one side, and the cubit on the other side, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle, on this side and that side, to cover it. 
So on top of the very colorful and symbolic curtains that the priests would have seen, there is to be laid a very practical level of tarp made out of goat's hair. This would have functioned like insulation. It is not decorative because it wouldn't have been seen by anybody inside or outside the tent. In verse 14 now, God gives instructions related to the third or outer layer of tarp. So this is what you would have seen from the outside. Verse 14. And you shall make for the tent a covering of tanned ram skins and a covering of goat skins on top. Now, scholars have been wondering for years whether this describes one more layer or two more layers. It's not clear. It could be a third layer and a fly, as it were, an, an outer weather covering. Or it could be a covering that had an inner and outer layer. There's also some confusion around the type of material that is being described. The word used here, ta'ashim, could mean porpoise or dugong, or as it's sometimes called, sea cow. Regardless, the purpose is fairly obvious. This is the weather covering for the tabernacle. The net result of this multi-layer covering is that the inside of the tent would have been very dark, very quiet, and noticeably cooler than the outside world. Verse 15. You shall make upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood. Ten cubits shall be the length of a frame, and a cubit and a half the breadth of each frame. There shall be two tenons in each frame for fitting together. So shall you do for all the frames of the tabernacle. You shall make the frames for the tabernacle, twenty frames for the south side. And forty bases of silver you shall make under the twenty frames, two bases under one frame for its two tenons, and two bases under the next frame for its two tenons, and for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, twenty frames, and their forty bases of silver, two bases under one frame, and two bases under the next frame. And for the rear of the tabernacle westward you shall make six frames." And you shall make two frames for corners of the tabernacle in the rear. They shall be separate beneath, but joined at the top at the first ring. Thus shall it be with both of them. They shall form the two corners. And there shall be eight frames with their bases of silver, sixteen bases, two bases under one frame, and two bases under another frame." As we've mentioned a few times now, the tabernacle proper was a rectangular frame structure. The upright frames were made of acacia wood, which was fairly common in that region. The tabernacle was about 45 feet long by 15 feet wide and 15 feet high. All the curtains and coverings that we just discussed were thus supported by 48 ladder-like frames set in silver bases. Across the top were a series of crossbars described for us now, beginning at verse 26. You shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the frames of the one side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames of the side of the tabernacle at the rear westward. The middle bar, halfway up the frames, shall run from end to end. You shall overlay the frames with gold and shall make their rings of gold for holders for the bars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you were shown on the mountain. 
So from inside, the priests would see gold frames, and through those gold frames, cherubim-themed tapestries. All of this had been told to Moses, and we learn in verse 30, shown to Moses. Moses saw heavenly blueprints, as it were. So when he later gave instructions to Oholiab and Bezalel, he knew exactly what sort of finished product he was looking for. The instructions continue in verse 31. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table. And you shall put the table on the north side. As mentioned, the tabernacle had an inner chamber and an outer chamber, just like the typical tent erected by a nomad. Verses 31 to 33 describe the veil that separates these two chambers, the holy place from the most holy place. Only the priests could enter the holy place, and only the high priest would pass through this curtain into the most holy place. Verse 36, You shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen embroidered with needlework. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold and you shall cast five bases of bronze for them. So the tent door, as it were, that which the priests would pass through from the outer court to enter into the holy place, was made of the same material as the inner curtain. But without the cherubim design work. It was hung over five pillars made of acacia wood. So you can imagine a priest having washed at the laver in the court, slipping through the curtain between two of these pillars and into the dimly lit and noticeably cooler confines of the holy place. There on the south side of the chamber, he would have seen the menorah, the lampstand, its light would have been the only light in the tent. To his right, on the north side of the chamber, he would have seen the table for the bread of the presence. Directly in front of him, at the far end of the holy place, he would have seen the altar of incense. Beyond that, the curtain beyond which he must not pass. That's the basic structure and setup of the tabernacle. But Douglas Stewart asks and answers the obvious question. He says, what is the point of this? Simply that God wanted his people to understand that their ultimate purpose was to dwell with him in heaven, not on earth. He gave them a small sample of what his heavenly home is like, required them to locate themselves and their homes around his, and thus taught them the principle 
that they belonged in proximity to him, closed quote. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to End of the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those, of course, over at the website, www.intotheword.ca. I hope you found our new app and are making good use of it. We're so excited about that. And we would love for you to make use of that. Download that. You can connect with us on Facebook. I hope that you do that too. You can connect there. We post daily encouragements and conversation starters, user reflections. Great way to get connected. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again real soon, right here, for another episode of Into the Word. <laughs> <laughs>